all, welcome back to our UConn IM podcast. I'm Megan Snuffle, one of the chief medical residents at University of Connecticut. I'm very excited about this week's topic. It's seizures. Today, we will ask ourselves some clinical questions. What defines seizures? What defines epilepsy? Are they the same? How do we work up an adult with new onset seizures? And what education can we provide our patients with these new seizures? Let's get started. First, as most of you know, having a seizure does not equal epilepsy. Let's go back to our definitions. Seizure is a transient occurrence of signs and or symptoms due to abnormal, excessive, and or synchronous neuronal activities in the brain. This is according to the International League Against Epilepsy. It represents a clinical manifestations of abnormal electrical activity of the brain. Seizures can be generalized, the whole brain, or focal, originating within one part of the cerebral hemisphere. It can be provoked or unprovoked. Some examples of a provoked seizure would be traumatic head injury, alcohol, drugs, infection, cerebral vascular disease, to name a few. Unprovoked seizures do not have a clear relationship with an underlying cause. This is an important aspect as we need to get a clear history to determine if it was provoked or unprovoked. Now epilepsy, this is defined as at least two provoked seizures occurring more than 24 hours apart or one unprovoked seizure with a high risk recurrence of an unprovoked seizure over the next 10 years. So how do we work someone up who has presented after a seizure? First, we want to get a detailed history, including their experience, recollection, and awareness of the event. Ideally, if someone was around that can give a detailed description of what they saw, that would be very helpful. Getting a sleep history is important as sleep deprivation has been known to provoke a seizure. All past medical history, including similar events or prior injuries, should be asked. Social history is very important as drugs and toxins are known to have an indirect effect on the brain. And lastly, a medication list should be reviewed. Meds such as antidepressants, diphenhydramine, stimulants, penicillin, cephalosporins, fluoroquinolones, bupropion, tramadol, INH. These are some examples of higher risk drugs causing or lowering the threshold for a seizure. Each mechanism can be different here. Our physical exam is not as helpful as most present after the fact. But again, if there is a witness, having them describe what they saw is very helpful. Something that has a very high specificity for predicting seizures is actually lateral tongue biting. Lateral tongue biting can be seen up into 33% of patients who present with new onset seizures. So what's the workup? Well, according to the American Academy of Neurology, we should first start with some lab work to rule out metabolic and toxic causes. This includes a BMP and tox screen. Specifically, when looking at the BMP, we're looking at the BUN, sodium, and glucose, as hypoglycemia, uremia, and hyponatremia are common causes of provoked seizures. Prolactin has been studied to be elevated post-ictally. However, in order for this to be accurate, it has to be drawn in a very specific manner. It's first drawn 10 to 15 minutes after the seizure or after the presumed seizure, and then another six hours to establish a baseline. This can be very difficult to do, 
So unless done properly, it's not very helpful. Also, anecdotally, it can also be elevated in patients who present with syncope. So it wouldn't be very helpful to distinguish between those two presentations. If you have a patient with their first seizure, an MRI should be done to rule out any structural abnormalities, including congenital abnormalities, brain tumors, vascular lesions. An EEG should be done as well. The value of an EEG helps to point to focal lesions, predict recurrence, and can sometimes point to a focal epilepsy syndrome with a particular spike pattern. We're gonna discuss treatment for new onset seizures on a different day, but I do wanna comment on some things that might come up with your patient. Sometimes they ask, can we stop our anti-epileptic? Maybe they haven't seen their neurologist in quite some time and they wanna stop this medication. Well, according to the American Academy of Neurology, discontinuation can be initiated if the following criteria are met. The patient is seizure-free for two to five years. Diagnosis is one type of epilepsy. They have normal EEG findings and normal neurological exam findings. However, it's important to let your patient know that there is a high reoccurrence of those who do discontinue their anti-epileptic agent, um, specifically within the first six months of discontinuation. So it should be a discussion with you, the patient, and their neurologist. Also, you know, some things that you can educate your patient on, um, they're always asking about different kinds of restrictions that they have. You can educate your patient on what can lower the seizure threshold, including sleep deprivation, alcohol and drug intake, and stress can do it too. They should avoid working at heights and with heavy machinery. And they should also avoid any unobserved water activities as they are at a higher risk of, of drowning. And this actually includes taking baths. Driving laws can vary from state to state, so it's important to educate yourself on what your own state law is. For here in the state of Connecticut, there is actually no mandated seizure-free period. Um, actually, each case is independently reviewed and decided for that patient. Also, it is not mandated for us as physicians to report our patients to the state who have epilepsy. Well, great. That's all I have for you today, folks. Thanks for joining me on seizures. See you next time.